Welcome to North Point Online. Happy Easter. We are so happy that you are here with us today celebrating Easter. Whether you are one of our North Point family or a friend of one of our North Point family because you were invited, one of our neighbors in the community, or someone who has never been to North Point before, we are truly thankful that you're here celebrating with us today. You can find this message on our website, on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel. Also, you can find it on our app. If you haven't downloaded the North Point app yet, you can find it on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Look for North Point Community Church. It's the green circle with an arrow. You can't miss it. Once you get that downloaded, you'll be able to find our sermon notes as well as other cool information about North Point and what we do and um, the things that are going on, as well as the lyrics for the worship songs that we're going to be singing today in our worship. So with that being said, please welcome the North Point Worship Band. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool.
is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed.
good stuff. Hey, happy Easter. Uh, glad you're joining. I just want to take a minute to tell you about a couple of uh, things that are starting up in the next two weeks. We have two equip groups beginning in the next two weeks. One will be on prayer and the other one is on Psalm 23. And these will both be virtual groups, but they'll be great opportunities to connect with some other people and, and learn a new skill in the process. We've also got something, an event for uh, folks that are newish to North Point, whether this is the first time you've ever tuned in or you've been with us for a few weeks or a few months and just haven't been to a second Sunday yet. We have second Sunday. Now that'll be happening next week at 1030 a.m. And I know that that's a little strange because next Sunday is actually the third Sunday of the month, not the second Sunday, but that's okay because everything's a little bit crazy right now. So next Sunday, uh, April 19th, 10.30 a.m. is a time designed, it will be virtual, but it'll be designed for folks that are newish to North Point, just to meet the staff, hear a little heart uh, from our church as well as a vision, and uh, just uh, a little help getting an answer to the question of, is this a church where I can fit? Now, you can register and check out details for those equipped groups and for second Sunday, you can do that on the North Point app. You could also do that on our website. It's northpointcc.org. Or you can do that by checking out our weekly email newsletter called Get to the Point. Now, if for some reason you're not getting Get to the Point, it's not coming to your email, uh, you can fix that right now. And what I'd like you to do is take out that North Point app. And I'd like you to go down to the section that says Let's Connect and take a minute and just write your info in there. Give us your name and give us your email address for sure. Now, if... Um, 
if, you, if you're getting everything from us and, and you know we have your email, great. Just get your name in there and let us know that you were worshiping with us here uh, this morning. That would be fantastic. But if you're not getting stuff from us, then be sure to include a correct email. Maybe a, something weird, weird with technology and you got dropped from a list. I, I don't know, but we want to fix that today. So now if you don't have the North Point app, we would still love to know that you were with us this morning. And you can do that by sending an email to info at northpointcc. Dot org and let us know that you were here with us this morning. You could also include your email in there. We'll have that from the email. We'll make sure that we add that to our list so that you're in the loop with all the things that are going on here. Hey, we're going to continue worshiping this morning through our giving, you know, through some of the most generous giving that you guys have given us over the past couple of weeks. We've been able to continue to do uh, a lot of our kids stuff, our student stuff, our group stuff, the things that we do here on the weekends, as well as so much more throughout the week. So we really want to thank you guys uh, for being a part of this with us together, for being a family together in this. And it's through this giving that we're actually able to do incredible things like partner with other nonprofit organizations uh, to help people. People who are in need through this time and so uh, as we continue now through uh, worship and giving man we want to encourage you to give generously and worshipfully as God lays on your heart at this time you can give in a couple of ways uh, two easy very easy ways are through the North Point app there's a section on there that if you click on that says give uh, you can set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift right there you can also text NCC give to 77977 and it'll send you a text message to set up once again a way to do a one-time gift or a recurring gift you know God asks us to worship through giving not out of obligation or guilt but rather a way that we get to show our trust to God that it's more about trusting him than it is anything else that may be happening in this chaotic world whether times are good or times are tough it's trusting that God is in control of every single aspect of our lives. So we encourage once again to give generously and worshipfully as God lays on your heart, trusting in the fact that man, God is good, that God knows exactly what may be going on in your life, and that God is still in control. So I'm just going to pray and uh, bless our offering before we jump into the talk here. Father God, you are so good, Lord. And as we give here, Father, worshipfully, as we give generously, we just ask that you would bless it. Father, that you would do kingdom work with it, God, to impact the lives of others, Lord, uh, for your, your ministry, God, for your calling, for your desires, God. And God, as we recognize that some people are grieving or hurting or going through a rough time here, God, we just pray that your spirit would be there to bring uh, incredible amounts of comfort and hope as we celebrate Easter today, God, and that your blessings would be upon all the first responders and the medical workers, God, uh, and just that you would put protection on them during this time. And Father, for everybody who's watching and is a part of this service today, God, uh, that your spirit would be upon them to just bring encouragement in ways that only you truly can. We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Happy Easter! Thanks so much for welcoming us into your home today. It's a privilege, really, to come and to be able to worship with you today on Easter Sunday. Just so you know, uh, we can't see from this perspective, we can't see that stuff that's piled up in the corner of your house. We can't see that you're not wearing a new Easter dress or a new Easter shirt. Uh, We can't. We really can't even see that you are wearing pajamas or uh, that you're wearing the same clothes that you've been wearing for the last three days. None of that matters. We are just so excited to be able to be with you today, to be able to celebrate Easter 
together. What a cool thing. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but this is one of those times in life that you're going to look back on for the rest of your life, for your kids' lives, and say, well, oh, man, what was Easter like in 2020? What did what, what, you do for Easter during the COVID crisis? And you're going to say, oh, yeah, I remember that Easter. That was the one where they were quarantined. That was the one that we did online church. That, 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 that was the online Easter. Um, while we may always remember this Easter as the one that they were quarantined, my deepest hope is that this might be the one that you say, oh yeah, I remember Easter 2020. It was the one where my life changed, where God did a work and turned things around in terms of the way that, that I saw all of life. That was the Easter that my life changed. Have you ever thought about what it takes to initiate change in anything? What, what's it take to change the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you treat another person, the way that you respond? What's it take to change the path of a river? What's it take to change a piece of metal, to change the shape of that? What's it take to change a losing team into a winning team? One word. It takes power. What, what's it take to change the way that you're handling the COVID crisis right now? What does it take to cope with a situation that's so fluid that it feels hopeless to even keep track of all the changes that, that are taking place? Six weeks ago today, we were looking back and, and, uh, and looking forward to the Big Ten tournament and, and March Madness, filling out our brackets, get, looking forward to that. Four weeks ago, we thought that we would be celebrating Easter together as, in churches all across the United States. Two weeks ago, we thought, oh yeah, the shelter-in-place order, that, that's going to be done uh, on Tuesday of this week. That's not the way it is anymore. Everything changes so quickly. What does it take to handle daily change that happens so fast it turns our world upside down in a day? It takes power. About 30 years after the first Easter, after Jesus' resurrection, a church leader named Paul was in prison, and he wrote a letter to a church that, that he had helped start several years earlier. In that letter, he wrote out a prayer that I think is so relevant for us today that I, I want to share it and, and have it really kind of be the center of the message today. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how high and how long and how deep and how wide is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. What did Paul pray for? He prayed for power. Not the kind of power that comes from eating a can of spinach like Popeye or human growth hormone that's injected in your body to make you look like a WWE wrestler, but the kind of power that can sustain and strengthen you in the midst of a, of a season of uncertainty. The kind of power that comes from the Holy Spirit living inside you 
power that can enable you to trust God even in the middle of all of the uncertainty. Paul prayed for power so that Jesus could live in my heart and in your heart. He said this in verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now more than ever, we understand the difference between being around someone and living with someone. For you who are working from home right now, life is very different, right? A few weeks ago, you were around your kids. You were chauffeuring them to activities. You were uh, keeping track of their schedules. You were you were fixing their lunches and getting them on the bus in the morning, being home at the end of the day to welcome them as they came home. But now you're not around them. You're living with them 24 hours a day, day after day. It's radically different. Like like so many of you, our North Point staff here is primarily working from home, and so we meet together virtually. Zoom has become an essential communication tool for us. In our meetings, one of the things that I love as much as anything is uh, as we're talking to, to have little guys um, come into where their mom or dad are in the meeting and see someone on screen that they know and to wave or say, can I say hi to, to Pastor Rick, whoever it is? Uh, When you're living together, other people have access to your life. They alter the way that that you live. You modify your behavior because of their presence. You're constantly aware that they're, they're with you. And so you change accordingly because of their presence in your life. Paul prayed that we would be strengthened with power so that Christ could live in us in our hearts through faith, that we would recognize that he's with us all of the time. We could trust that he's working, that he can take care of of anything that happens, that he's guiding us, that he knows the way as we walk into the future. The reason that we need power, uh, that we need power for Christ to live in us is because giving Jesus that kind of access in our lives is hard. We like being in control, don't we? Paul prayed for power so that Jesus could live in us. But he also prayed for power so that we could understand, so that I could understand Jesus' love and be transformed by it. He he said this in verse 17, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and long and high, wide and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Have you ever really considered how profound God's love for you is? Many people learned as a child that that God loved them, that he made them, that he had a plan for their life, that he came to earth to save him. But I don't know, I don't know of many parents who, as their children grew older, as they became teenagers, uh, elementary age kids, as they became adults, uh, or adults, uh, the parents, that they themselves sat and contemplated the vastness of God's love for them. 
the, the magnitude of that love. Jesus left heaven, a place with no pain, with no death, with no sin, a place with no garbage, no bad weather, no disappointments, no broken relationships, no prejudice, no backbiting, no court orders, no physical danger, no aging bodies, no grief, no greed. He left all of that in order to come to earth, a place that has all of those qualities and more. Why would he do that? Because of a deep, compelling love for you, for me. Because he has a desire to live with us, not just here on earth, but for all eternity. In 1917, at a time that the world was facing the pandemic of the Spanish flu and fighting the First World War, a poet wrote these words. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forever endure the saints and angels' song. We need power to merely understand the depth of God's love. We need even more power to know God's love, to know it experientially, to to have it transform our lives on a daily basis. Lots of people know about God's love. Not nearly as many have been transformed by God's love. What's it mean to know God's love? Not to just know about it, but to be transformed by the love of God. It means that, that we act like him, that we think like him, that our goodness and faithfulness and kindness and justice and mercy and holiness shine through. We don't become God, but, be, but we become a mirror and a magnifying glass of who God is and his character to the world. We show the world when we understand, when we're transformed by God's love. We show the world who God is. Um, can, can we acknowledge something with you in your home today that, that we'd probably try and hide if you were here in the auditorium at, at church today? Uh, in new Easter clothes, uh, thinking about eggs and all the trappings of things. We all have significant needs Some of you are struggling in your marriages. You're living in the same house uh, with your spouse for the last three weeks, and even though you love that person that you're with, they can be incredibly irritating. Their schedule isn't your schedule. Their definition of clean is not your definition of clean. Um, and, And while you may never have really noticed it much before, It's difficult to live with them. They may even be a closet Ohio State fan and you've never discovered it. Some of you, some of us, are struggling in our parenting. You love your kids, but if you have to play one more game of Candyland or Uno, you're going to go crazy. Um, 
and you never went to school to be a teacher? How, how can somebody in your, in your occupation be expected to teach social studies or chemistry or language arts, whatever that is? Some of you, some of us are struggling in our singleness. You don't mind being alone, but goodness, for three weeks, it's not like you chose to shelter in place and to work from home. That's not an option that you had. How, how many episodes of Jeopardy can you watch, right? Um, you're already completely through Disney Plus and Netflix. Uh, where are you going to go from here? You've got Prime, but once you're through that, what are you going to do? Maybe more to the point in terms of the struggles, the issues that we all have is this. We wonder, when is this going to be over? Is it ever going to be over? Is the isolation ever going to stop? Are we caught in, in this never-ending episode of the Twilight Zone? Is this sense of hopelessness ever going to go away? Uh, we, we think nobody's ever experienced this before, right? I, I don't know if that's true. The Spanish flu 100 years ago was horrible. More than 50 million people died. The cholera pandemic in India 200 years ago, the Black Plague in the Middle Ages, they were all terrible. But what we're experiencing right now is certainly the worst in our lifetime. Here's what I know. God knows what we're experiencing right now. 2,000 years ago, God took on human form and came to earth. He was named Jesus and he was completely human and completely God. When he fell down, um, it hurt. When he cut himself, he bled. When he was working in his shop and a piece of stone fell off, fell off the bench and, and, um, and it hit his arm or his leg, he bruised. When, when he heard birds chirping in the morning, I've got to believe that Jesus smiled. When he saw kids playing tag, uh, uh, he, he laughed and probably went over and asked if he could play with them. When Jesus saw someone mistreated, it made him angry. As an adult, Jesus lived in a relatively small area. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. And so the people that he was with knew him well. If, if you were to start at Eastwood Town Center and you would drive to DeWitt, and you would drive from DeWitt uh, over to Langsburg, and then from Langsburg back to the Eastwood Town Center, that geographic footprint, that's about the space, the area, where Jesus did almost all of his ministry. If, if you were to look at the, at, the, um, at the nation of Israel and look at and, and plot out where Jesus was with his disciples at the northernmost point, it was Caesarea Philippi, and, and at the southernmost point of his ministry, which was probably Jerusalem, Bethany, in that area. That's about the same distance as if you were to drive from Lansing to Toledo, Ohio. It, it's a small area that Jesus lived in. People knew him and they saw him. They knew uh, how he lived his life. They saw that he never gave in to temptation and sinned. They saw Jesus get angry, but they were, but he got angry at the things that made God angry. They saw Jesus reject people, but they were the people who were self-righteous and pretended to be holy, and they weren't holy at all. They saw Jesus and recognized that he never lied, that he never stole, that he never cheated anyone. He wasn't self-serving or greedy or materialistic. Jesus was never inappropriate sexually. 
Jesus never got drunk and caroused. Jesus was completely holy and never sinned. And the people that he lived among recognized that. The religious leaders hated him for it. They hated him for the relationship that he had with his father. Ultimately, they charged him with crimes that they knew he hadn't committed. And they pushed the government to justify those charges. They pressured the government to execute Jesus in the most gruesome death that their society permitted. He was raised on a wooden cross with his flesh bleeding, raw from a near fatal beating. And he was put on display to publicly humiliate him and to end his life. Late in the day on that Friday, Jesus died. The one who had come from heaven, who had lived a model life, sinless, died in our place, the sinners. He was taken off the cross by friends, and he was placed in a tomb that was more like a cave that was dug into, the, into rock. The tomb was sealed with a huge stone because Jesus had said that once he died, he was going to come back to life, and his enemies didn't want his body stolen. Here, here's how the biographers of Jesus' life described what happened on that Sunday morning. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He has risen. He has risen. He is not here. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of our tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. 
and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. Then they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Roboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. For 2,000 years, the resurrection of Jesus has been the rock-solid foundation of hope for followers of Jesus. If it's true, if a resurrection is real, God can do anything. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, God can provide for your finances even in the midst of this crisis, even when your customer base has dried up and you, and you can't even go to work. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, God can restore tenderness and joy in your marriage even while you're home together week after week. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, God can help you become a great teacher for your kids, that that you can make memories that will last all of their lifetimes, that they'll talk about with their children and with their grandchildren. If the resurrection of Jesus is real, God can be your companion in a way that you never would have thought possible in this time of isolation and quarantine. If the resurrection of Jesus is real, God can give you hope and peace and joy that's not dependent on alcohol or weed or narcotics. If the resurrection of Jesus is real, if Easter is about more than bunnies and eggs and having a family dinner together, what's that mean for you? Maybe it means for you today to say yes to Jesus for the first time. To pray, God, I do believe. I believe that Jesus died and that he came back to life. God, I want you to have complete control of my life. I want Jesus to call the shots for me. I need him to lead and guide me through this season, but also not just for this season, but for the rest of my life. God, would you do that for me? Maybe maybe you know Jesus but you're struggling right now with fear and anxiety, with frustration and and really with this pent-up anger that's inside you. Maybe you're feeling out of control and it's killing you. Maybe you need to address those emotions today and pray. God, I know you're real. You have proven yourself over and over again to me in the past, but I'm struggling. I'm really struggling, God. Would you help me understand, really understand that Jesus coming back to life means that I can completely trust you with every aspect 
of my life. I need you to show me what I need to do, but I need you to help me trust you in this whole situation that I can't control. Maybe you know Jesus, and you're doing great the last few weeks. Your refrigerator, freezer are fully stocked. You got enough toilet paper to last until December. You're enjoying time by yourself, uh, time with your spouse, time with your kids. You're grateful for this breaking routine. We've never had this before. That it's all kind of cool for you. Maybe you need to expand your vision today on Easter and pray, God. If Jesus came to bring hope to a discouraged and struggling and hurting world, I need to take my eyes off myself. I need to figure out how to help some, some people. Uh, would you help me? Would you help me recognize the opportunities that you bring into my life to help me bring hope and help and joy to others? Man, if, if you prayed any of those prayers... I want to ask you, would, would you just go on Facebook and, and leave us a comment on today's message? Uh, shoot me an email. Leave us, leave us a note through the app and let us know that you've prayed that. Because we want to walk with you through this process. To take, as you take steps in your life with Jesus, it's, uh, Satan, Satan will do everything that he can to derail you. And we want to come alongside and help in any way that we can. What does it take to pray one of those prayers? to experience the kind of life transformation that we're talking about. It takes power, not willpower, not earning power, not physical power. It takes power that can only come from God through his Holy Spirit. It takes the power that would bring a dead man back to life. If we go back to that prayer that Paul prayed for his friends, this is how it ends. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You want some great news? God's power is already working in us, and he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. God has resources that we don't know anything about, It's like he had this whole additional warehouse of power just waiting to be accessed for the COVID-19 crisis. Before anything showed up in China, God was ready. He had power ready to go. Before there was one case of of, uh, the COVID uh, uh, virus in the United States, God was ready for us. He had his power ready to go. Before you ever experienced one ounce of stress or fear. God's power was working in you. Let that power be released and transform you this Easter. Easter 2020, the one where they were quarantined. Yeah, that's true. But it was also the Easter filled with power. Christ has risen. He has risen Indeed. I hope that you were encouraged by the message today and the truths that you heard in what Rick had to say. Whether you have never heard them before or you heard it, this is the hundredth time you've heard it, it's still good news. 
the Easter story is one of my favorites. It offers hope and it offers redemption. And I hope that in it, you found those same things. Happy Easter, everybody. Mm -hmm.